0: Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio.
1: And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Nori with you. Let me introduce Phoenix LaFay to you, professional reader, root worker, teacher, ritualist. She has been practicing witchcraft for nearly 25 years. Her teachings are connected to the reclaiming tradition. We'll have her explain what that is. Phoenix studied root work for several years with Catherine Yuron. Additionally, she is a graduate of the Hoodoo Correspondence Course and a member of the Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers. She's the owner of the esoteric goddess shop called Milk and Honey. Her book is called What Is Remembered Lives. Phoenix, welcome to the program.
0: Thank you so much. I'm what, excited to be here. What is
1: a root worker?
0: Root worker refers to a specific tradition of magic, uh, it's very focused with the South, um, mostly with African-American folks, uh, and it is a practice of using herbs and roots and different things in nature to try and shift your life circumstances for the better.
1: Interesting. And what is the reclaiming tradition that you uh, are part of?
0: Yeah, so there, there's different traditions of witchcraft. It's um, kind of like There's an umbrella of Christianity with many different flavors of Christianity, and witchcraft is the same. There's many flavors of witchcraft. Uh, One of those flavors is called the reclaiming tradition of witchcraft, and it is more feminist, uh, more eco-based. It was started by Starhawk, who many people are familiar with because she does a lot of ecological talks and training um, in the permaculture world and it is a little bit more focused on our relationship with the earth and our relationship with healing the earth and healing ourselves. Uh, so it's, it's a unique flavor.
1: Now, you're a witch, right?
0: Yes, I'm a witch. So
1: <laughs> sounds like you're a good witch.
0: Well, I think I'm an excellent witch, but I, <laughs> I, I'm assuming you mean the good, bad.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, ethics is an interesting thing
1: you know, Hollywood has uh, tainted this a lot, too.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's true. And then there are some things Hollywood has done that are kind of cool and not totally made up. You know, there's a few movies out there. Practical Magic is one of them. It's not totally true. We don't bring people back from the dead. But a lot of the things they do in that movie are a lot of the things that I do in my practice.
1: How did you get involved in Witchcraft, Phoenix?
0: Well, when I was a young teen, I was not raised religiously, and I went through a very difficult emotional upheaval in my life, Uh and I thought, in my 15-year-old wisdom, if only I had been raised religiously, maybe this would be easier. So I started exploring. I went to lots of different churches and temples. I went to a synagogue. I started reading everything I could get my hands on about different religions, and one day, this is the mid-90s, one day I stumbled upon a book about witchcraft, and it talked about a goddess, and it talked about earth worship, and it was all of the things that I believed, I just didn't know there was a name for it, or that other people were doing it. And that changed everything. I started reading everything I could, and uh, the internet was a new thing. <laughs> so yeah. I would uh, when I had access to the internet, I would look things up and found groups that were practicing in the town I lived in without me realizing that was happening, and it just kind of grew from there. I haven't looked back.
1: What is Remembered Lives? Your book, of course, and the the subtitle is Developing Relationships with Deities, Ancestors, and the Fae, and I noticed the Fae is spelled as your last name, Le Fae. Is there a tie-in there?
0: Yes, absolutely. There, the "fay" is uh, another word for fairies. Okay. Right, and the conventional spelling of fairies is with an I, not with an E. And that is more, kind of good to go back to Hollywood for a second, that is um, the Victorian world had a huge impact on how we look at fairies in a modern lens. We think of Tinkerbell and these cute little pixies, uh, but fairies are nature spirits, really. And so using that spelling is to delineate. We're not talking about Tinkerbell. We're talking about a nature spirit, something a little bit bigger, uh, potentially even a little bit more scary. Uh, and so it, it's to make it clear I'm not, I'm not talking about what Hollywood wants you to think of.
1: All right. And is Le Fay your real last name, or is that just your publishing name?
0: Uh, it, that, real is an interesting word. It is my publishing name, but it is also the name that I use out in the world. So, okay. All right. Yeah. Everyone knows me by that name, although that's not the name I sign a check with.
1: <laughs> that's right. You, you want them to clear, right? <laughs>
0: exactly.
1: When we talk about witchcraft, are you also a Wiccan?
0: I am also Wiccan. Uh, Wiccan is a again, a specific tradition. So Mm -hmm. I am part of the reclaiming tradition, and I am also initiated into a Gardnerian Wicca. So it is a a specific lineage that I have followed for several years. I'm technically a second degree Gardnerian Wiccan. Um, So yes, yes, Wiccan is a title I use.
1: We had a wonderful witch who used to appear on the program for years, Phoenix. Her name was uh, Dr. Evelyn Paglini. And oh, I'm she's, familiar with that name. Yeah, she's not with us anymore. She passed no. away several years ago. But she was into candles and rituals and things oh, yeah. like that. Do you do things like that, spells and things?
0: Absolutely, absolutely. I do that for myself. I do that for my beloveds and my family, and I also do that for as part of my profession. People pay me to do spells on their behalf.
1: You don't sound like someone who would do curses, am I right?
0: No, I don't do curses. Uh, Good I Good for you. Yeah, I, I am not opposed to other people doing what they feel is appropriate, but that's not work that I do.
1: You're more to help society than hurt Absolutely. them. Absolutely, yeah. Big difference there. When we talk about witchcraft, the word pagan comes up a lot, too. What's yeah. the difference there?
0: Yeah, that's so tricky because it... You know, people have lots of feels about this kind of thing. Um, you know, pagan is this old word that basically meant, like, the, the country bumpkin that lived outside of the city. It was someone who was kind of uncouth, someone who didn't understand the, the, the laws of society and was on the outskirts. And, uh, you know, in the 50s, 1950s, into the 1990s, really, paganism started to be reclaimed and it's again this idea that we are connected to the earth it's this idea that there are many deities not just one supreme god but but many gods that we can talk to and interact with and there was this revival of paganism pagan and witch are so related uh, they, uh, For me, personally, they're kind of interchangeable in my life. I consider myself a pagan, I consider myself a witch, I consider myself a Wiccan. All of those things are very similar, but there are definitely practitioners out there who are witches and practice spellcraft and light candles and do rituals, but they are not pagan. They don't want to work with the earth energies. They don't want to talk to spirit. They don't want to be involved with deities. And then there are pagans who are more ceremonial, more religious, I suppose would be a good word for it. And they don't do the witchcraft stuff. They're not lighting candles and doing rituals or doing spell work. Uh, But for me, they're so interrelated. I can't imagine one without the other. But there's lots of folks who consider themselves just one.
1: In uh, 1692, there was horrible, horrible situations going on in Salem, Massachusetts. Yes where they conducted this witch hunt, literally. Yeah. Uh, they are accused uh, 200 people of being witches. Uh, 30 were found guilty. 19 of them were hung. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if any were burned at the stake. That may have been a uh, a, a myth. I'm not sure about that, but they did hang 19 people. Right. If you were living during that time period, would they have gone after you?
0: probably. I mean, I have, I'm, I'm already kind of weird. You know, I get that in mainstream society. I'm a, kind of a weirdo. But I also have, you know, I've got a birthmark on the back of my neck. I have red hair. <laughs> I know things about herbs. So it's likely they would have gone after me. Oh, my I have God. All the markers of a troublesome individual.
1: <laughs> why, why do you think in the 1600s, like that, 1692 going into 1700, yeah. they were so hysterical about this?
0: Yeah, I mean, fear makes people do crazy things. Uh, and, and you can work up a fervor without trying very hard. I mean, you can look at our modern society and see that happening all over the place. It'll, you know, uh, there's a, the, the saying, you know, one person is, is great and a group of people is when trouble starts, you know. Uh, so I don't think it takes much to get people's fears up. It was a very strange time. Puritanical religion is a very oppressive thing, and with when people are oppressed, things come out sideways. And unfortunately, during that time, it came out with the murder of many people.
1: Oh my God, it was horrible. Yeah. I wonder how it tempered and went away. What, what, what caused it to kind of wane a bit?
0: Yeah, you know, that's a really good question. I don't know. I mean,
1: I mean the hysteria started... And then they went crazy. They accused all these people, but then eventually it died down. It went it away. It went away. I wonder if you know society's accepted it or what happened.
0: Yeah, it's almost like a drunken bender, you know. And people woke up and realized, like, oh no, what did we do? Uh, and the, and it subsided. There's also some evidence, at least in Europe, there there would be people that came through witch finders, inquisitors, so you know, and so on, and they would sort of incite this fervor and cause neighbors to turn against each other and people to accuse each other. And a lot of it was, if I point the finger at my neighbor, then I know I'm safe. At least they're not going to look at me, they're going to look at them. And then these people would cause mass chaos and then just move on to the next village. And I don't think that's not what happened in Salem, but that was a lot of what happened during the, the witch trials across Europe.
1: Well, I'm glad you weren't around there, Phoenix, during that time period. <laughs> yeah, we me want too. to keep you around. <laughs> the uh, title of your book, What is Remembered Lives, tell me about this.
0: Yeah, so one of the things we say in the reclaiming tradition of witchcraft when someone passes away is what is remembered lives. And the more we tell the stories of our ancestors, our beloved dead, the more we talk about those that have crossed over, we keep their spirits alive, we remember them, therefore they live. And really, that is the only way to achieve immortality. Cleopatra is immortal because we remember her, we talk about her, we tell her stories. Everyone knows the name Cleopatra. She's attained immortality. That's true. And that's the concept of this book. If, if there are multiple gods, if there are nature spirits, if we all have ancestors the way that we can connect to their energies is to remember them and tell their stories and talk about them and share that with other people and spread that. You know, the more people that tell the story of Cleopatra, the more people that remember Cleopatra. So it feeds itself as well.
1: Did someone or something inspire you to do this?
0: Yes, uh, one of my gods, actually. I, I have, I'm a polytheist. I believe in many gods.
1: Many gods, Okay.
0: Yes, and uh, there are. I work with five. Well, you're
1: all entitled to believing what you want. We're not absolutely. going to burn you at the stake.
0: Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. So I, I work devotionally with five different deities, and I got a calling from one of them that I needed to put some of the work I'd been doing down in writing and share it with the world, and and that's kind of how this all came to be.
1: What exactly is a deity?
0: Uh, it's You know, I, I teach a lot on this subject. I lead these workshops called Goddess Gatherings, uh, and every gathering we pick a different deity from a different place in the world and tell their story and talk about the culture they came from. And then I do a little ritual for that deity. And basically, the, it's a spirit. It's an entity. It's, uh, you know, we, we... Everyone's... Well, not everyone. Most of us are familiar with the Christian god, sure. Yahweh, that, the, the one big dude up there. Uh, and the, the idea of polytheism or, or multiple deities is that, that Yahweh, the, the big dude up there, has many counterparts, many other gods. And if, uh, at least in North America, we go through, uh, in school, we learn about the Greeks and the, the deities of the Greeks
1: worship. Mm-hmm.
0: That's pretty common. And they
1: long. may have been real, too.
0: Absolutely.
1: Something, something went on during the Greek time period.
0: Absolutely. So I use the Greeks as a example a lot, because most folks are familiar with the Greeks at least a little bit, but the Greeks believed in many gods, and there was Aphrodite, who is the goddess of love, and Mars, who is the god of war, and Hermes, the god of communication. So instead of one entity being in charge of everything, it was kind of delegated (laughs) to different spirits or different entities. So if you were working on one specific thing, if you needed help If you were looking for a a husband, a new romantic situation, you might go to the Temple of Aphrodite and give offerings and Hmm. sing her praises and ask her for help. And the way I work is, I think we can still do that.
1: Do they work? Oh,
0: absolutely.
1: They do. Now, does the person who wants it done have to be a believer? So Um, let's say somebody comes to you and needs you to do something for them. Maybe they want a better career or a better relationship, and they ask you to do some spells and things like that. What if they think it's mumbo-jumbo? Is it going to work for them?
0: Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why some of the clients that I work with come to me.
1: Then it changes their mind, I bet, right?
0: Sometimes. If it it works. Sometimes they think, eh, that was coincidence. And that's fine. Coincidence can be magic.
1: There are no coincidences. (laughs) (laughs) Everything happens for a reason. Yeah. Now, what state of mind do you have to be in yourself? Do you meditate? How do you get into this mode Mm -hmm. in order to attract these entities?
0: Yeah, meditation's a big part of any spiritual practice. Uh, And that's, you know, a lot of my students are worried about doing things right. I'm using air quotes when I say right. There, There really isn't a right way. Spirituality is so personal and so individual that it's important that folks figure out what works best for them. So meditation is just a tool to quiet the mind and allow yourself to open up to something potentially bigger than yourself.
1: How do you know you're in that groove when it when it when it's really clicking for you?
0: One of the things that I've noticed when I'm doing something and it's clicking, I get the chills, like the hair on my arm stands up. That I, get, I just get this feeling that something is happening. And like,
1: I, like Oda Mae in the movie Ghost.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Same thing. She got those tingly feelings.
0: Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes it's very subtle, and you, and you have to start learning. The Part of the practice of witchcraft is learning to notice and feel and hear those subtle things when they happen so that you can follow your intuition and your gut instincts and those, those whispers get louder the more you pay attention to them. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.